Hey, Chismosas. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Meg B. And we are the Cheese Queens. Just trying to beat you to the punch. <laughs> I like that, actually. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are the Cheese Queens. And if you are new to this podcast, what have you been doing? I know. It's been like a million episodes. <laughs> what the hell? Or maybe they're super smart because they don't, don't want to see all the trash at the beginning and just want to see the end. I get that. Maybe. But here you are. <laughs> here you are. And if you are new to the podcast, chisme means gossip. And we have it here. We have all the gossip, the tea, the chisme about Married at First Sight season 14. And today we are covering episode 15. But before we get started, Igby, do you have any chisme? Just some wee little morsels. Ooh. Again. It's pretty dry out here in the streets. I don't know if last season was just extra juicy and messy or what, but this season, maybe the NDAs have gotten a little tighter. I don't know. And honestly, all the chisme I have is just like from past seasons. So you got something there. That too. <laughs> that too. Uh, so as far as the show goes, it looks like we're winding down here on season 14 so it looks like we only have a few more episodes to go. So we had this week was a regular episode and the final episode of After Party, which I did not watch, but RIP. We'll see if it comes back next season or not. I think I watched it. I think it will. I think uh, people appreciated Keisha's um, bluntness, you know? Yeah. And the, asking the questions we all wanted answers to, even if they dodged them. Right. But yeah, we'll see if it comes back next year or next season, rather. Uh, so then next week is also a regular episode, the 27th. Then Decision Day is the following week on May 4th. So mark your calendars, block out your time, get your uh, champagne and popcorn. <laughs> then it looks like the next week on the 11th of May should be Reunion Part 1. And then there's speculation whether there's going to be a second part the following week on the 18th. So we're not oh, for sure if there's going to be so two. Decision day, the dish special is on the 4th and decision day is on the 11th. Mm, now, see, I have a different calendar. I have it on Married at First Sight fan page. That's what I have. Oh, the fan fan page? Yeah. The chick with all the gossip. Oh, I'm assuming... Is a chick. No, is it a fan page of that page? No. Married at First Sight fan. Okay, I have Married at First Sight fan. <laughs> so I guess they updated their That's why I was post. like, oh, we get a week off because Decision Day dish special is the week of the 4th and then Decision Day is the 11th. Oh, because we'll you know they like to, to just drag, drag it, it out as much as possible. Okay, well, I guess you have the updated screenshot. <laughs> oh, never mind then. We don't know what the schedule is. <laughs> but we do know there's a dish special and there's a decision day. And of course, the reunion can't be one part. It has to be two parts. Because this season was so interesting. Whack. <laughs> and where are they now? Did you? Oh, I didn't even think about that, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it does say revised in big mm. letters. I didn't even see that. Wow. My bad. 
Wow. Sorry. It's his revised. Uh, did you see the other post where somebody was uh, suggesting they like change the format to make the season shorter where it's just like two wedding episodes, two honeymoon episodes, three just like back home everyday episodes, one couple's retreat, decision day, and one reunion. Just cut all the fat. Yeah. They're not going to do that because we still watch every week. We still watch every week. And they have to get their hour's worth of commercial revenue. Oh, yeah. Like legit 45 minutes of the show is commercials. (laughs) Because it's barely an hour 20 when I watched it once on YouTube. Yeah. Ridiculous. Indeed. Uh, But let's see. What else do we got here? The only other thing I saw was our cast from last season are really big Astros fans. Like they are legit <laughs> always at the games together. Uh, so we had the girls, Mirla, Brett, and Rachel were all together with Rachel's mom. Oh, Mirla was looking a hot mess. Did you see Mirla's caption? Or it's like, I don't feel safe emotionally or whatever, financially. Yeah, yeah. That has nothing. I hate that. It has absolutely nothing to do with the picture. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with anything. Someone said, so just why? another moment to throw shade. <laughs> it says, if you aren't willing to do the work to make me feel safe emotionally, financially, physically, mentally, etc., then peace. What does that have to do with anything, Astros? Nothing, because it's literally a picture of her standing in front of the field. Yep. In tacky Gucci. <laughs> what a ding dong uh, Then we also had Jose and Ryan were at the game The same game? I believe so Oh wow And they happened to be sitting next to The salsa instructor From last season Like by accident? Yeah they were sitting in the same row That's weird <laughs> And hilarious Neither of them took part in the salsa dancing, so right. it's funny they they recognized it. <laughs> I think funny. he recognized them. Oh, okay, okay. But I was like, hmm, random. Yeah. I think that might be it. Like I said, okay. it was pretty weak this week. Yeah. Oh, I have our, our poll. Oh, do tell. So on the last episode, we put up a poll about how many couples uh, you think would stay together after decision day so it seems like you all have some optimism about these couples still (laughs) because 67 percent said two and 33 percent said three huh so i wonder which ones maybe i'll ask that this week there you go so look out for a poll on spotify all right um I have a, a little bit of chisme. Gil, also from last season, Houston, was a judge for the Miss Houston contest, pageant, whatever it is, scholarship program. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's all dressed in a tuxedo and whatnot. He thinks he's cute. If you missed it, he also had a Winnie the Pooh outfit, as Igby told me. 
<laughs> where he's just showing his legs, only wearing the top of a dress shirt. Yeah. Pants off, dance off. Indeed. That was hilarious. It was weird. And I'm a leg woman. I'm all into it. And that did not do anything for me <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> but skeeve me out. It's like, uh, immediately click off. Yeah, I was not. Um, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't digging it either. But I never found him attractive anyway. I mean, he's attractive in the general sense. Yeah, but he's just not, not your cup of tea. Too muscly. I don't like muscles. And but that's even the thing. Like his legs weren't even looking that good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't save that screenshot. <laughs> I only did to send it to you. <laughs> Because <laughs> if I had to see it, you had to see it too. <laughs> oh, I hate when you do that to me because you've done it to me a few times. Anyway. You're welcome. So another thing, it's not really cheesing it, but I thought it was interesting. Um, someone, a therapist did a ask me anything and someone asked her, have you seen Married at First Sight? What are your thoughts on that? And she says, I have. I don't love watching it. I appreciate that there are at least some therapists involved to try to match them. But in my opinion, it would be much more successful in matching, though less entertaining, if they use those therapists to do therapy with these folks before they go on the show. What? That makes too much sense. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Another thing I did a screenshot of was a post by Dr. Jessica Griffin. And I didn't watch season six, but apparently she's with John from season six. She was an expert and somebody like called her out on, I guess, what do you call it? Shitting where you eat mm -hmm. or eating where you shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Either <laughs> and she, did, she didn't like that. <laughs> she didn't like that. She says, thank you. I'm sorry that these comments end up on your post about something beautiful and two people who I was happy to work with and will always support. I completely understand how people take issue when they don't know the facts or specifics, just the TV optics, which aren't great. Yet those are the people who do not know the facts, the timeline, what really happened behind the scenes, why I left, or the fact that John was dating another cast member after his split, not me. And that was in 2017. It doesn't belong here. Feel free to speak to me directly rather than spread incorrect information on someone's happy anniversary page. Boom. Yes, I remember this guy now that I Googled him. <laughs> Season six was a long time ago. I yeah. needed a refresher. So I guess he hooked up with the therapist? Hey, man. He also found love in a hopeless place. <laughs> Not very um, professional that part yeah so this next piece of cheesement is uh could be triggering for some people so trigger warning child abuse uh lindsay went into um, a little bit of her background on this episode and someone who's claiming to be lindsay's neighbor posted on reddit and has said the following lindsay had a very tough life her mother beat the tar out of her. 
I used to see hand marks on her back growing up, and I remember one time she couldn't go to a band dance because her mother tried to drown her. As a neighbor, she would always run away to our house. Child services were even involved in their home life. From what I know about her sister, she was dubbed the golden child and manipulated many a situation. She was always in Lindsay's shadow and very jealous, not as good in dance, swimming, or band. I imagine it was hard for her to grow up in that shadow. In fact, I was told her sister was so unstable one day she was at work and got a call from her neighbor that U-Hauls were there and was she moving. Her boyfriend tried to move out during her work day. That speaks volumes on her therapist sister. Someone actually planned a whole move behind her back to avoid her crazy. They say those who can't do, teach. Maybe that's why she's a therapist. Yeah. Oh, someone just said, oh, girl, spoiler. <laughs> oh, okay. And someone put at the bottom, you will be removed for that, I'm sure. But the fact all of the above is false is so hilarious. Lindsay marked people, not the converse. Lindsay had cops called on her multiple times from exes. We'll share later in spoiler thread as appropriate. Weird, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll see what comes about from that. Yeah. It's always interesting. It's like, okay, is this real? Or how real is this? Or who? Yeah. Because, yeah, because some of the comments were like, oh, that's Lindsay's sister. Oh, that's Lindsay putting that. Either way, those are, I mean, that's pretty visual. That's really hard to shake if it's not, um, if those are true. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, if, if it is true, it's super sad. Explains why she's such an asshole. Part so, of it, at least. <clears throat> part of it, Yeah. Anyway, sorry for the bummer ending of the Chase Man, but that's all I have. Fantastic. I know. So let's hop into the episode. We are covering Married at First Sight, Season 14, Episode 15, Igby. Hit me with the title. Past Lives, Open Minds. Okay. Sure. <laughs> We're running low. I know. <laughs> Let's start, let's start with everyone's um, favorite TikTok up-and-coming artist, Stephen Noy. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, man, uh, that was hilarious. Corinne. Like, I don't know what's going on right now in, like, the reality TV world, but it seems like as of, like, this last couple of weeks, it seems like there's, like, a huge cringe moment in, like, every show that I watch. <laughs> Where I'm just like secondhand embarrassed. And I'm like, why are they showing this? Please stop. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, we arrive at Steve's parents, or we didn't see his dad. So, oh, he, his parents are still together, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess dad just wasn't home. Yeah. Uh, so they go to his parents' house in Waltham, Massachusetts. Steve's mom, Mary, greets them at the door. Steve says that it's really significant that he's bringing Noi to his childhood home. The house is the same house they've always lived in, so there's a lot of history there between family events, him and his siblings growing up there, now them coming back as adults, and also the next generation with his nieces and nephews. They go through the house and to the backyard where Steve tells Noi that they had a front driveway and a back driveway. And then Mary explains the way that the kids used to try to sneak out back in the day. 
Steve <laughs> says they would put the car in neutral and let it roll down the hill so they didn't have to start it close to the house so it wouldn't make any noise and wake anybody up. <laughs> but Mary says, y'all aren't that slick. I knew y'all were leaving. <laughs> Steve starts to tell Noi about how like their house was the party house in the neighborhood back in the day. There was a basement where they used to throw these like epic <laughs> events. And he says that you could ask around town and hear all kinds of wild stories because, you know, his name rings bells in Waltham. Okay. It's like, okay, <laughs> Mr. Hotshot. So then they go back into the house and Steve takes Noi to his childhood bedroom. Apparently, Steve and his two brothers all shared the room. Uh, his sister lucked out because she was the only girl she got her own room. And that room was small. I was like, I cannot imagine three people living in there, like three teenage boys in there. Stinky, stinky boys. Yeah. Um, but that explains why they're so close, because you can tell they're really, really close. Yeah. Then we meet Sparky, the stuffed dog. That's Steve's childhood favorite I toy or stuffed so animal. sweet. Yes. No, I didn't think it was cute, though. <laughs> Yeah, she immediately throws shade and says that Steve is 38, so that's a long time to be keeping a stuffed animal. But, like, first of all, it's at his mom's house in the children's room. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's bringing Sleeps it home. It. And, yeah! I was <laughs> like, oh, come on, girl. It is his childhood room, and it's obviously a, now a grandkid's room. Yeah. Like, it's fine. She's just, she's just bitter. <laughs> But she does say that she imagines him as a little kid dragging Sparky around the house. And that's very sweet. Now that's been replaced by little Sushi. So they go back into the living room with Steve's mom. And they're looking at photo albums and his yearbooks from school. Uh, then again, she's being shady, I thought, because she's like, what year did you graduate high school? And he says 2001. And then she's like, hmm. In a like, oh, I was in the fifth grade in 2001 kind of way. <laughs> You're old as hell. <laughs> I do that to my husband. <laughs> Shady. And it's fun. Uh, so then they're looking in the yearbook and they go to the superlatives page and we find out that Steve was voted best dancer. Noah asked him if he was popular back in high school and he says, yeah, kind of, you know, I got along with everybody. I was, I was cool. But then we find out how cool he was because he starts telling Noi about how him and his friend used to make beats in the basement. And they had like a mixtape that was like 15 <laughs> or 20 songs. And then he proceeds to play his hit single, Get Down, which he apparently has on his phone still now. Really? <laughs> That's what he was playing it off of. Oh, for some reason, I thought I saw a CD or CD player. No. That's on his phone. His ox cord. <laughs> He's hoping that it'll drop on iTunes if he was smart. Now available on iTunes Wednesday. Right. You SoundCloud know. something. Because <laughs> I wouldn't mind hearing Get Down, like the, the finished version. <laughs> but he talks about how Get Down was like the hit in high school. Kids used to be bumping it in their cars and stuff. And he was just like <laughs> hot shit. But... And they used to like have burnt, since it was before streaming, they had burn CDs that they used to sell and pass around and all that. And, you know, the song sounds exactly like you would think a couple of kids in high school made in, 19, <laughs> in the year 2000. Uh, it seems to be Mary's jam, though. She still knows um, all the words. She sure does. So she's Steve's biggest fan. She runs she the is. fan club. <laughs> it was really sweet. 
<laughs> they did not need to troll her that way, though. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> Production is shady. They are. They are. Uh, Steve says he never would have imagined playing this song back for his wife one day when he when he was making it. Well, in an interview, Noy says that Steve had a great childhood. He was always surrounded by his family and they were always supportive of him. He also had tons of friends around. She thinks that because she had a rough childhood, it made her grow up faster and it made her a little bit tougher. She hopes that Steve understands how wonderful he had it. Uh, she can't believe she's married to a rapper. She sounds like really bitter. Like, I feel like she's resentful of his loving home. Not that her parents don't love her or anything like that. It's just like they had it rough. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like that's going to be hard for her to overcome. Yeah. I saw a Reddit post about that today where people or the person was saying that the same thing. She like resents Steve because he's happy and comfortable with his life and is content with him. Yeah. You know what? I think I, I saw that with, I, I thought it, I guess I didn't read it, but uh, <laughs> I thought it was more about him, like his career and his job and, and that he's cool with just how things are going with him. <laughs> Either like, way. Yeah. yeah, he is. <laughs> and I mean, that's fine. Good for, good for him. But no, he doesn't seem to think so. No, and I think about it, like, part of marriage is wanting the best for your partner and encouraging them and supporting them. And she she hasn't figured that out yet. <laughs> like, she just, it, it seems like she's so stuck in her own head yeah. that she can't, she can't get past um, her childhood trauma to put herself in a secure and safe environment for them as a couple, you know? Well, they've got what eleven more days to figure it out. Nine days. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so the next scene we see of them, it's date night. They're at Mass Motion Dance Studio, and it looks like Steve and Noy are going to take a dance class. They meet up with their instructor Allie, and they're going to learn some new moves. <sighs> Cringe fest. <laughs> they jump right in. Noy says that. When she thinks about her childhood, her favorite memories are her just dancing and having fun. She says that her parents were always stressed out because they had to work so much when she was a kid. They weren't encouraged to express themselves as children. So for her, dancing was a way to like let go, be free, let loose, and just get lost. Then they show a montage of the lesson. Yeah, no, no. They both look stiff and like, they're struggling. Maybe choreography isn't for them. Because <laughs> we know they both can dance. Mm -hmm. It's just that this doesn't, it's not working for them. They're not with the five, six, seven, eight. Mm -mm. They need a freestyle. They need to play get down to get oh, loose. I wonder what <laughs> they were actually dancing to. But yeah, like we were saying earlier, I said on Twitter, as soon as their socials get open and if they stay together, they are totally going to be TikToking it up. We're going to see the renegade, <laughs> all that shit, the uh, savage, all that. <laughs> because she already does it now, uh, apparently. But Noy says Steve is doing a really good job. She didn't know he had it in him. Like he's being really intense and focused, taking it very seriously. So she says that he has better moves than she does, but she's having more fun. Uh, Steve says that he thinks Noy brought him 
to the class because music is a big part of her life. And like clockwork, he says, if you watch her social media, she's always doing some type of song and dance number. It's an important aspect of who she is. And he thinks they have a lot of in common in that respect. Uh, they can take life seriously, but they can also laugh, joke, dance around and be in the moment. So they sit down after the lesson for like a water break and Steve says that they just need to run through it, you know, like four or five more times and then they'll have it, have it down. <laughs> Noi says that she used to have mirrors like the ones in the studio in her basement as a kid. And she would put on her favorite, you know, pop records and dance around pretending she was probably Britney Spears or somebody. Is she too young for that? How old she is she? Is. Damn, think, she's well, pretty. She's 30. I want to say she's 31. Yeah, maybe the Britney days were over. Yeah, she's just a little young, younger than us. But Steve even laughs and says that he's caught her a couple of times in the act. Uh, <laughs> filming her TikToks and boomerangs. She tells him that music is so important to her now and was then because they weren't encouraged to express themselves or have any emotion in her household that just was not acceptable. So for her, music is an emotional release. That's a way for her to get it all out as a therapeutic relief, even when she was a kid. She also explains that's why she has a hard time when they argue. It wasn't that she was making a choice not to express herself. It's just that she wasn't raised to do so, so she doesn't really know how which explains it all. Like, why couldn't you? It really does. So yeah, she just doesn't really know how to express her feelings necessarily. Steve says that it's sad that she had to grow up like that. He always had the ability to be creative and had the freedom to dream up whatever he wanted. So he wants to create an environment for her where she can do that now. Noi tells Steve that when they fight or when she's fights with him over things like her social media and stuff, it's not because she's not invested in their marriage. It's because she's trying to hold on to some of her independence. Um, she still wants to have some individuality. Steve says it's nice to finally hear that this is, you know, the root of it all. Uh, it's just a matter of taking the things he says into consideration while still feeling free enough to express herself. He's not trying to stifle her or stop her from being her. He says that he's taking her feelings into consideration and adjusting things. And he just wants to feel that same respect back basically. And so that's where they end that. Next we see Noi is finishing up the letter to her younger self. Uh, Steve sits down and she starts to share what she wrote in the letter. She basically talks about how kind of dark her childhood was. She recalls her mom coming home with blood stains on her face from working all day in a chicken factory. Uh, it made Noi feel so bad that it, she ended up crying herself to sleep it made her feel like she was a burden that if her and her siblings weren't around her parents wouldn't have to work so hard she says that the burden wasn't for her to carry and it would hurt her family to know that she felt like this uh, she also talks about not being able to express her emotions and how she would hide those emotions because she was afraid of being seen she goes on to say that the love and acceptance that she was seeking was within herself the whole time, and she just needed to trust in herself. After that, uh, her and Steve kind of hug it out, they exchange I love yous, and Steve says that there was a lot to unpack. It's a very sensitive subject, 
and that this could have been very cathartic and extremely emotional for her to share. She tells Steve that she doesn't feel like she even had a childhood because she was always so worried about her family and just holding in all that emotion and not being able to process made everything around her feel heavy and sad and scary. And at this point, she starts to cry. She says that she would want to tell her childhood self that she mattered. Uh, in, in ITM, Steve says there's a lot of, he has a lot of empathy for the idea of noise parents having to work themselves to the bone to provide for the family. And now that helps him understand why Noi needs such a high level of security when it comes to finances. The puzzle pieces are coming together, finally. Yes, finally. The next scene, we see uh, Noi and Steve practicing their Darren's Dance Grooves choreography again while they're waiting for Dr. Pepper to show up. So she comes in, they sit down. Dr. Pepper wants to hear about how they've opened up to each other and deepened their relationship. She asks Noi if she feels like she's made any progress in opening up to Steve. Noi says yes, she feels like she's made a lot of progress and that also Steve has made it easier for her to progress as well. She again goes into how they both were raised and how she needs more time to process than he does because she's not used to expressing emotion. It makes her scared. And to him, it just seems like she's walking out, walking away and not wanting to work on the issue. She reassures him that it's not a personal slight towards him. It's just how she's used to coping with feelings. But now she's at the point where she can at least express that she's angry or upset, even if she can't explain why. So that's an improvement from, you know, Noodlegate when she just left the apartment for the night and Steve didn't even know she was mad. Yeah. Um, this also explains why all of her past relationships have probably not worked because she can't she physically and mentally can't communicate. Yeah. And it took, I'm going to put in quotes, therapy and therapy exercises to get it out. I mean, it is, it's TV therapy, but it seems to at least work. She should find a real therapist (laughs) and work through some of this drama drama. because it seems to be helping her a lot. Yeah. And their relationship too. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, Steve thanks her for that. And He kind of starts talking about how he reacted towards her walking away because of his past relationships that didn't work out um, and situations where there were abandonment issues. It made him question if this was going to work at all. He hadn't had any of those thoughts up until that point, but that's when, you know, it really took a turn where he's like, oh, this is not right. (laughs) Uh, Then Dr. Pepper asked them about uh, their post-decision day living situation. Should they stay married? because we know that Noi doesn't want to get rid of her place and says she wants to live independently, at least for a little bit. Steve, like everyone else, expected they would live together after decision day. He'd never even considered them living apart, because why would you? Yeah. Uh, But he said he had to hear her out as far as her reasoning, and now he understands that a big piece of it is her getting to a place of independence, and he wants her to honor those feelings because it's important to her. But she also needs to consider how he feels. This is when Dr. Pepper reveals that she lives separately from her husband. And Noi immediately is like eating this up like, this Mm -hmm. is the secret to a perfect marriage. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Don't live with your spouse. So what was the point of getting married? If you ask me. (laughs) But Dr. Pepper says, you know, not so fast. Uh, uh, uh. This is her second marriage of 16 years. 
but her first marriage of 23 years, she was raising kids, so they lived together. Yeah. Big difference. How old is Dr. Pepper? And when did she get married? She's already oh, I didn't even that think long. about that. <laughs> Two long-term marriages. Yeah. Well, she has to be in her late 60s, I would think. It's wild. She asked them if they do stay married and live separately, what are they going to do to reassure each other so that they feel like they're taken care of and truly married? Noy says they haven't really ironed out all the wrinkles, but they're going to try to figure it out. They're going to try to incorporate themselves into each other's routines as much as possible, but they aren't sure what that's going to look like at the end of the day. Steve says it's fine for them to not live the traditional way or have a traditional marriage, but he doesn't feel like you can raise kids effectively and productively living apart. Right now, that's just a hypothetical future for them, and they need to prepare for that. So they've got a lot of thinking to do going forward and decisions to make in the next uh, week and a half. (laughs) But that was them this episode. Trauma bonding. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) That was a lot for them. Um, I'm glad we got some answers. It makes a lot of sense now. You know, here we are just thinking she's an asshole and she has some some deep seated issues. Yikes. But Steve does it as we can see. So hopefully because he seems like a really empathetic person mm-hmm. he, and patient, patient as hell, man. Yeah. So hopefully that works out to her advantage where she can unpack all of that. Mm-hmm. Some of his vibes need to rub off on her. Indeed. Hopefully. The vibe on this next couple is not one I'd wish on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay and Mark. Of course, we're going to start off with them fighting. Lindsay's doing a diary cam. She says that the night before her and Mark were getting into it and a a majority of the time he was telling her that she is too much, too loving, too giving, too caring, too energetic, too much. And then they cut to the footage of, of Mark saying so. He says she's too much. He doesn't want to get pinched or licked. She's hyper and she he wants her to stop and she keeps going. And I don't see how this is offensive to her. It's very direct. Just stop doing what you're doing. (laughs) I do not understand. And she says that she thinks he should find a lesser woman because she's not going to make herself less for someone else. And that's the end of her diary cam. Very dramatic. She's always done. This is just yet another time she is done. Um, This is the only couple where we see them kind of in a a reverse order where Dr. Pepper visits first instead of doing their letters and then she visits. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's visiting and she says she knows that there's been a lot of ups and downs and she wants to know what they need and how she can help. Mark says like, it's the same struggle he's had for weeks and weeks. There are good times and there are bad times and the times that it's hard for them, it's it makes him not want to be affectionate because the arguments are so draining. And then he brings up the hyper incident. How is he supposed to know the word hyper is so triggering for her? And what else triggers her? He doesn't know. And they show the little clip of uh, last week's episode where he called her hyper and she flipped out. Dr. Pepper points out that hyper is not a compliment. So what does he mean by hyper? And he tells her that Lindsay likes to wrestle. She's very playful, but then she takes it too far. And he repeatedly tells her to stop. 
and she keeps doing it. And Dr. Pepper addresses Lindsay. She's like, and you don't stop? And she says, he says stop, but in a playful way. And then they show the clip of him saying stop. And it is in a playful way, but it's also, he's saying stop. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know how to, I don't see how she would take that as like him joking because he says it over and over I was going to say, over. yes, he's saying it kind of in a joking manner just to like not harsh the vibe or mood, but uh -huh. he keeps saying like stop repeatedly. So yeah. stop. Stop, please, for the all of us' sake. Dr. Pepper says that they both lack basic understanding of each other. No, duh. She says, can you ask each other questions? And Lindsay says, no. She says that she's done with that because he tries to justify everything. And then he apologizes, and then nothing's resolved. He dismisses her. And if he doesn't want to care, she doesn't want to care more. No more. Her wall is up. He doesn't get to come in anymore. And then she starts crying. And Dr. Pepper points out that those words are final words. Why don't you ask him if he does or doesn't care? And she says she doesn't want to hear that answer either. She says that maybe he's just not the right guy for her. And then they dramatically cut to a commercial. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> when they come back, Dr. Pepper says you should hear his answer. And Mark says he does care. He doesn't do things to deliberately hurt her. If he wanted to do that, he would just end the relationship. That makes perfect sense. Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper tells her, why don't you ask how this will affect me? Ask that to Mark. And Lindsay says it's the same question. He vowed to choose her first every day. That's what he said at the wedding. He's supposed to take her into consideration in everything. So one she describes one night that they were sitting around together and she asked him to pay attention to them. And instead he went to Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, text messages, and she couldn't get his attention at all. She said she could never get his attention for five seconds. And Dr. Pepper points out that they both said they were going to give it their all. Lindsay says she has. And Dr. Pepper agrees with her that she has in many ways, but that they both need to grow up in their relationship work against the things that have prevented them from getting married before. She tells Mark to pay attention to his wife and that things that annoy him now will probably diminish as soon as he starts doing that. And she tells Lindsay she's got to ease up on the pressure and let him come to her. And then she like grabs Lindsay, like how she gra grabs Mark so that she can get the point. I don't know if she did, but I guess we'll see. Lindsay says she wants someone she can have fun with. Someone dynamic, someone who embraces her, not someone who tells her to be less because she's too much. She wants someone who tries new food. And then both Dr. Pepper and Mark are like, wait a minute, I try lots of food. How does Mark not know what salsa is? Well, he never had a taco. I know, but salsa? People put that out, you know, as dips and stuff like that before games and whatever. How do you not know what salsa is? Crazy. Crazy to me. Uh, Dr. Pepper says to give him a break that he's trying new foods. And Mark says, just like his feelings, it is the same thing with his food. Let him get there. She's always up in his face saying, try this, try this, try this, try this. And it's demanding. And she knows that she needs things from him. And he assures her that he knows how to love someone. He has been overly romantic at times in past relationships. 
And if she lets him, he can give her everything she needs. He knows how to touch her heart. And that's how that segment ends with Dr. Pepper. The next time we see them is at the pet hospital. There's a diary cam. Lindsay says that they're taking JC to the vet. He has sores on his eye. Um, and Mark is having a hard time, of course. We also get a diary cam from Mark. He says that the anim animal hospital found more sores. He says that JC was there when he first started his career in the gym industry, when his father died, many on an apartment and his wedding. So it's nice to have a friend you've done so many things with. When they're in the hospital, Mark is crying. Lindsay wraps JC in a towel and the cat starts purring. They're both really loving on him. And Mark explains to her that there's growth now on his lungs and it is gonna spread. And they didn't see it last time that they were there at the vet. The vet told Mark that if it was her cat. She would think about the quality of his life and he is going to get worse. That is gonna happen. And it's in his best interest to say goodbye. And Lindsay tells him he's a good cat dad. It was really sad. I know. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, Lord, don't let the cat die. <laughs> like, no. Oh, so sad. This episode, yeah, there were some parts that were draining where I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This was such an emotional episode. There but I did not of... expect poor little baby JC to, to go away. No. <sighs> Mark says it was nice that Lindsay was there to be supportive. He was glad she was there. He thinks that tragedies can sometimes shape a couple. And he's glad that they went through this together. It's something he will never forget. R.I.P. J.C. R.I.P. to a real one. Mm -hmm. Next, we see Lindsay taking Mark to the woods. Hopefully not to, you know, shoot him and leave him there under a tree. But. Okay, darkness. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if anybody can get away with it, it might be Lindsay. <laughs> he did say she he was afraid she was going to put him in the trunk. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> and they're um, walking. And Mark is saying, where the hell are you taking me? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, you picked the wrong day to wear a fresh white sweatshirt and fresh white sneakers. I My know. What was he hurt. thinking? <laughs> maybe he didn't think they were going to the woods woods or he didn't know I, they, that's what they were doing. Yeah, maybe she didn't tell him anything. Yeah, maybe so. I would have been hot. Fresh white. Are you kidding me? Hell no. You want me to walk in the mud? <laughs> no. We're staying. I'm staying in the car. <laughs> you could read to me right here. I get the picture. Exactly. I can see the woods. <laughs> in an ITM, Lindsay says, yesterday was rough. Mark has faced a lot of hurdles, but she's used to that. She's driving the bus right through the shitstorm. She hopes that the expert visit put things in perspective for him, and he actually starts choosing her first. So yet again, it's all about Lindsay. <laughs> Mark doesn't even like to smell the flowers. <laughs> Mark is not meant for outside. <laughs> she even tries to go off the path and Mark's like, nah, nope. You can do it right here. <laughs> He's not going under all that brush. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Uh, she says that she used to dream of living in the woods. 
she would try to run away sometimes. And she just did that because she felt like she didn't belong even in her own home. There wasn't a lot of love in the house. Her dad was always gone and her mom was a stay at home mom. And that job did not suit her. She was very resentful of her dad and she had to carry the role of two parents and mishandle the stress of all that. And she took it out on Lindsay. So she would escape to the woods and stay busy. So then she starts reading her letter and she you know, reiterates that growing up was hard, that she will stand out. She's clumsy and unfiltered, too sassy and outspoken for her age, that things will happen to make you feel like you don't belong. People will tell you you're too much and that will make you feel out of place. When you get older, you will find freedom in your voice. You'll learn how to navigate through tough situations, but you'll pick yourself up. One day, the life you live will be more than you ever hoped for. Your wildest dreams will come true and people will appreciate you and your uniqueness. You're destined to do great things and you can change the world. Nice. In ITM, Mark says, it's nice when Lindsay can be vulnerable and he let him see uh, how deep of a person she is. That's the side he enjoys. If he, see, if he saw that side more often, um, she could probably see more of his. And he tells her, you know, her younger self would appreciate that letter. He thinks that she would look at her as a role model. Her younger self probably needed someone just like her and he appreciates her in his own way. And that really touches Lindsay. She says she hears him today and she sees it today. And then she tells him he has a big bite on his face. And that's how they end the segment. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, then we see Mark take Lindsay to Quincy in an ITM. He says it's been two years since he's lived there, two years since his dad has passed. It always feels like home, though. Mark looks in awe of everything. He talks about all the changes. Um, he also says that he used to spray paint all his friends' initials, um, like the pavement. I listened to another podcast where one of the hosts is from Quincy, Massachusetts, and it makes so it made Mark make so much more sense to me now. Like I've been listening Why? to that podcast at least like five years, at least, and he is a Quincy guy. <laughs> <laughs> like that is a thing like on this this other podcast host like him and his friends are like super dumb they all have stupid ass <laughs> nicknames like mark the shark <laughs> they all like and i think they he, he's around the same age as mark and they went to the same high school so i wouldn't doubt that they know each other oh how interesting what is the podcast about tell me oh my god what face are you making is it about groceries <laughs> close <laughs> Oh my God, what is it? It's the fast food podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, I've been listening to a fast food podcast for over five years. Who cares? Okay. It stayed around that long. I'm not the only one. That's true. That's true. <laughs> They're making a living from it. All and I touring. know is. Really? That is interesting. Oh, yeah. They make wow. a lot of money. <laughs> Oh Somebody, my gosh. He just bought a house. Okay. In LA. Damn. Yeah. I mean, he's also a paid actor. Like, oh. But he doesn't do as much acting as he does podcasting. 
All I know is my dad would never in a million years let me spray paint my friend's initials in his driveway. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, whoa, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Fast Food Podcast. Is that what it's called? No. <laughs> Shout out to Doughboys. Doughboys. Okay, cool. I highly doubt there's any crossover. <laughs> I don't know. You're interested in both. Mm. <laughs> the, the demos do not cross. All right. Well, let's continue with Mark. <laughs> so he says his dad would sit there and watch the cars pass by. And um, Lindsay asks how he feels from being back. He, he just says it's a lot, a lot of emotions. His dad would sit there and his mom would yell at his dad from the window saying, no one wants to wave at you. No one wants to talk to you. She would sit there and just stare at him all day. And um, yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> also kind of explains why Mark is Mark. And then he reads his letter. He tells his younger self that this house is going to shape you in many ways. You'll see your father take care of his family. You'll see your mom cook clean and take care of the home. You'll see her and Anna Joe get the house ready for the holidays in the kitchen. They'll always make Christmas feel like a movie. He was a lucky boy to see Santa every year. His advice is to love his parents more than now. Spend as much time with them as you can. Take pictures and take videos. You'll appreciate it when you get older. And Lindsay hugs and kisses him. She says it sounds like he had a lot of good memories, and but it also sounds like there's a lot of sadness there. There's like a sense of nostalgia and longing. And at ITM, she says that she's seen Mark get emotional a lot. She appreciates him being so vulnerable and opening up and sharing his experiences with her. They have missed the mark on a lot of situations, but when they align, it's a really deep connection. That's not something that not a lot of people will have. Mark tells her that they should move into the house. And I was confused by this. Does he own the house still? Because there's a lot of changes he was not aware of. So how are they going to move into this house that belongs to somebody else? Somebody right. else has a 30-year mortgage on this house. Right. I'm like, <laughs> if you... Yeah, if you owned it, why don't you live there? <laughs> yeah, so I was really confused by this conversation. But either way, Lindsay has put the kibosh on that. She is not living in this house. She said she's not going to compete with the past. Uh, she wouldn't want him to live in any of her old houses. So she's not going to live in any of his old houses. And he's like, what if we paint it? What if we paint this house that doesn't belong to me? <laughs> Maybe it's for sale. Uh, maybe. I don't know. But either way, she says no. Uh, he's like, it's a good neighborhood. She's like, yeah, it's a good neighborhood. I'll live in any of these houses but yours. And uh, that's kind of where they, they leave it there. Strange. Strange people. <laughs> They're just two weirdos. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to live in my childhood home. I, I would live in my childhood home if I gutted it completely. Well, then that's... There's no point there. <laughs> um, it's free. <laughs> you just pay the tax on it. It wouldn't be free to renovate it. No, but it would be cheaper than a 30-year mortgage. 
Depends. Maybe. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Got to get rid of that popcorn ceiling and um, Greek columns in the middle of the living room. <laughs> oh. Classic. Classic 90s. <laughs> Embedded china glass. <laughs> Filled with Stop precious moments. your parents. <laughs> Filled with precious moments. Figurines. <laughs> uh, yeah. You don't want to inherit that collection? Uh, okay. No, I don't. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> oh, man. All right. How about um, Katina and Olajuwon? Katina looks worse every episode. Um, I said that. Did you? Yep. Every episode. She looks because terrible. It, yeah. There was a moment where I was like, damn. All right. So Katina and Olajuwon. Now, I told you this because you texted me when you were watching it. I was like, this mm. whole first scene is production <laughs> trolling. <laughs> because they cannot be serious. There's no way, right? Katina and Olajuwon look so stupid and sound so fucking dumb. <laughs> I was like, this can't be for real. This is a real conversation. This is what their everyday conversations sound like. Dumb and dumber. Match me in, match me in heaven. <laughs> uh, so we open to them doing, you know, Mary at first sight's favorite pastime, brushing teeth. From bed, Katina tells Olajuwon that she looks forward to more road trips with him in the future. She asked him if he'd want to go somewhere snowy, like they don't live in Boston. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, jet skiing. Because that's what you do in the snow. And then finally it clicks like, wait, that's not right. And he says, skiing. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I would love to go skiing. But she says, no, she wants to do the dog thing. And again, he's confused. What's the dog thing? <laughs> And then the two of them decide on sleigh ride, not dog sledding. <laughs> so stupid. In an ITM, Katina says that the couple's retreat allowed them to spend time with each other outside of the city and get into nature. She says that since she's met him, she's been stepping out of her comfort zone more. She never thought she would be out there running with that sheep. <laughs> Or whatever that animal is, a.k.a. Hershey, the alpaca. Alpaca. How I, do you not know what your organized activity was for this couple's retreat? So I dumb. I don't know how they can't figure out what this animal is called. Like, I mean, at least she didn't call it a gazebo, but <laughs> sheep is also a very wrong answer. Yes. I saw a video <laughs> today of, like, sheep butts. What? <laughs> Why? Instagram. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but apparently, under their like wool, once you shear them down, they have old big old juicy booties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I kind of want to see. Except <laughs> that uh, they're cute. <laughs> in my head. Okay. Yeah. So she says that she's thankful for her future baby daddy, Barf, because he makes her feel like superwoman. I'm like, what? really? When? 
you know, all the time when he's telling her she can't do anything and it's useless. <laughs> that makes her feel amazing. Oh. She can do anything because he's forcing her to. She can do anything because I get permission to do so. <laughs> Gag. For real. It goes back to them in bed and Olajuwon says that the biggest thing he got out of the retreat was them learning about each other and going um, deeper below the surface as far as their conversations. That's the part that mattered to him and that's what he wants to focus on going forward the rest of the experiment. When did they have deep conversations? <laughs> when he was busy <laughs> telling her that she can't go to school and have a family at the same time. Yeah, okay. Super deep. When he was talking to her, not at her. You remember? Oh, like the shirt says. Mm-hmm. Is he trying to sell that shirt? I hope to God not. What an asshole. So he says that he was cool spending time with the other couples, but with so little time left in the experiment, he really wanted for them to like lock in on having deeper conversations and, um, you know, deep questions. Uh, he says in an ITM that he's worried about their future timeline. He talks about wanting to have kids in the next couple of years, but what kind of sacrifice is that going to mean for him? And is Katina going to be able to keep up with him while adding on to her additional responsibilities? Because God forbid he like watch his own kid or do something for himself. <laughs> That's the woman's job. Like, so it would be a sacrifice for him for his wife to have children, basically. <laughs> what an asshole. Yep. Like, that was, I said that on Twitter, like, when is he going to realize, it's not all about you. It's not. And he's, he's a narcissist. He's never going to realize it. <laughs> Everything's about him. Which infuriates me so much why she's, like, into him. I don't understand. I don't either. I have no idea. I don't see the appeal other than she doesn't have to date anymore. I'd rather be alone than be with him. That seems to be her biggest dilemma is that she just doesn't want to go out in the streets again. (laughs) The streets is rough, but the streets can be fun sometimes. (laughs) I'd rather that than have to go through this abuse every day. I know. (laughs) Anyway, we go to Olajuwon's hometown of Brighton. Uh, He's taken Katina to the projects, basically. He says, it was interesting growing up with a single mom and five other siblings. I didn't know he had that many other brothers and sisters. Yeah, I only saw the two at the wedding, so. Mm -hmm. He lets us know that basically it was four people living in a two-bedroom spot. He said that his his bedroom was basically like a covered porch. And uh, his brother had to live in an attic, which is not a room. Right. They had to make it work. And in ITM, he tells us that he loves where he comes from and it really made him into the man that he is today. He says that he and Katina were raised totally different. You know, he's coming from the Jex where she's straight out of the suburbs in a five bedroom house. He hopes that she doesn't pass judgment on him because that's why he takes everything so seriously. He says because he had to grow up struggling. That's the reason he's so adamant about going to college and, you know, clearing out his debt, purchasing a home, etc. All those things were accomplishments that he's made because of how he grew up. He's showing Katina a spot where they used to play football in the streets when he was a kid. 
Again, shout out to production for keeping in the shot that says cannabis delivery here for no reason. <laughs> or for a very specific reason. <laughs> you be the judge. But uh, he's telling her about the rules of the game. And she says that she can imagine him running around with his brothers and their friends. And this was when we learned that Olajuwon was a little chunk as a kid. <laughs> it's cute. Born 11 or 10 pounds, which is ridiculous. Good luck with that, Katina. <laughs> That's our family. Our family was all big. I had a cousin that was 12 pounds. Jesus. I know. It's like a toddler coming out. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, she says that she thinks it's really cool and admirable that he's not ashamed of where he comes from. Some people wouldn't be comfortable going back after they've made it out. They'd rather keep it in the past and block it out. Uh, she tells him that she's happy he brought her there and that that's allowing her to see a piece of who he is. And even in the future, if they were to have kids, she'd be able to take them back there and show them. He says that he's very open and very passionate about where he comes from. It's the reason he is the way he is. He told her that he's basically tough on her because that's how the streets raised him. You can't be no bitch in the hood. <laughs> So you can't be soft. And that's why if he feels triggered or feels like he's getting played or tried, he kind of cuts cuts the shit ASAP. Mm -hmm. uh, he wants her to know that he's not the guy that's cool when he's good. And then when he gets upset, he's not good. He appreciates that she's taking the time to get to know him. She could have easily said that, she didn't like where he came from, so it's not going to work or say that she's looking for someone more polished, more proper. Uh, but she's looked past all that and he's thankful for that. Sure. It sounds like that's all on in his head. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's all on him. Like, I feel like Tina doesn't even think that way. I think yeah. a lot of people don't think that way these days, at least reasonable people. Yeah. It's all in his head that probably... So next we see Katina take Olajuwon to St. Mary's Episcopal Church. I'm surprised he was able to walk through the doors without catching on fire because <laughs> we know he's a heathen. But they go inside and they sit in a pew to talk. She says the reason that she brought him to church is because uh, when she was younger, she grew up in that environment. They were there every Sunday, but she loved it because she had fun. She says that's where she met her best friend, Amani, who we saw earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. She tells us that her mom forced her to do a purity ring ceremony or class <laughs> when she was like 10. Um, she wasn't really into it because she knew she wasn't going to wait till marriage to have sex. <laughs> at, at 10? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> sure, damn. But... Uh, when she thinks back to her childhood, that was actually one of the best times she had. It was a, uh, it was an escape for her. She tells Olajuwon that going to church was a big deal in their family. She said their grandma used to live with them and she would not allow them to miss a Sunday. Olajuwon says his family was like that too, actually. He said his dad wasn't around on a daily basis, but every Sunday like clockwork, he would come and get them and take them to church. And it would be an all-day thing at that, like, we're going to the 10 o'clock service and the 1 o'clock service. The Catholics don't do that because it's the same service. No matter mm -hmm. where you go. 
no matter where you go, the homily will be different, right? The, the lecture in the middle will be different, but wherever you go in the world, it's the same service being done um, in every church on the same day. Well, just lucky, I guess. <laughs> And then he says afterwards they would uh, go get cheeseburgers. And Katina says that they always got donuts after church as a like reward. Yeah. We, us too. We, my mom always took us to, um, do you remember the sirloin stockade and the big cow? No. Sign? Oh, okay. She'd take us there. Or uh, what's that other buffet place? Crack, uh, not Cracker Barrel. Golden Corral? Golden Corral. Yeah, we'd go there and eat piles of bacon. You know me. <laughs> oh, why am I surprised? <laughs> <laughs> Katina says that it wasn't until she got a little bit older that she started building more of a connection as far as her spirituality goes. She says that uh, she was seeing that her prayers were being answered and that made her belief grow even more. She also shares that during the Married at First Sight process, she found out her mom has breast cancer. And she's the type of person that always tries to think positive. She knew in her heart that they found it early for a reason. And she had you know, confidence in God that this all happened for whatever reason. But it wasn't going to be you know, what took her mom off the earth. Uh, God wouldn't let that happen. She says she still prays about it every day, and that's how she can have a sense of peace about it and about her life. She says she includes God like he's a friend, and, you know, he's with her every day. That's sweet. I was like, that's kind of cute. It is. My friend Jesus. <laughs> Elijah has a voiceover where he says that it's touching to hear about Katina's mom because his mom went through breast cancer as well, and they're both in recovery. He understands why Katina goes to church. It's her way to uh, feel like she's never alone. Uh, it goes back to them in the church and he's asking her if religion is important, especially with kids. Would she want to raise her children in the church? And she says 100%. Yes. She feels like you should plant the seed in your children so that when they get a certain age, they can decide you know, what they want to do. Elijah agrees and says he kind of believes the same thing. It's fine to put that little thought in their mind. Um, so if you ever feel lonely or if you feel like you can't go to anyone, um, you always have somebody there for you in God. Even though it's not someone physically there, there's still somebody that you can rely on. And, you know, that's a blessing. Katina is super relieved that they're on the same page about this because, as we know with this show, this can be a huge issue and really affect, you know, what, whether someone says yes or no on decision day. Because, I mean, it is a big, big deal yeah. if it's something that's really important to you. Uh, next scene, Dr. Pepper is coming over to visit. You know, they seem really uh, hype on, especially Elijah on her hot pink blazer. Tells her she looks hot. <laughs> I know. At first, I thought he was telling his wife that. And I was like, wait, he already saw her. So he's telling the doc that. <laughs> okay. He's got to get in her good graces now. I was just going to say, uh, since he looked like a damn fool last time. But calling her hot probably isn't going to work on like a 60-something-year-old lady. Mm, oh, she got to see through that shit right away. Right. She's also a therapist. <laughs> yes. There's that. <laughs> so Elijah talks about the last time uh, 
you know, he met with Dr. Pepper and they show the flashback of them at that brewery or whatever, 10 days ago where he was getting all loud and spicy saying that she was trying to make him look bad, but he already did that for himself. He says at that point he wasn't good, but now with decision day around the corner, he really is happy that she's there and he thinks that they could use her guidance. So they start the conversation with Dr. Pepper asking Olajuwon how he feels. He says he feels good with Katina. Their energy and chemistry is there. If they have a disagreement, they're able to bounce back like nothing. Then he gives an example of an argument that they got into a couple days ago where it got so heated, he told Katina she just needed to shut up. Real respectful, bro. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... He was able to catch himself instantly. He went to the bathroom, came back, and apologized to her for it right away. He says that his favorite phrase, he's learning how to speak with his wife. Uh, Dr. Pepper says that's gross. And Olajuwon says that it felt good to mess up and have someone open up their arms and forgive him. Olajuwon says that now their focus needs to be on getting into deeper conversations about things that really matter. It's all fine and good that they like each other, but, you know, what are they trying to do go for, going forward? Dr. Pepper asked him to, you know, expand upon what that means as far as their goals for the future. And Olajuwon talks about wanting kids in the next couple of years. He says it's something that they've discussed and were clear about from the jump, like literally at their wedding. And it shows a clip of them talking at the head table during the wedding. And this was the moment that made me realize how different Katina looks day one versus like day 45. Yeah. Homegirl looks beat and like not in a good way. No. She looks drained. Absolutely. Like all the life is gone. I was just going to say someone sucked the life out of her. But it goes back to the scene and Olajuwon is saying that they really need to discuss if that's a realistic timeline. It's not impossible, but... They have to really evaluate how hard it would be for them to execute. He tells Dr. Pepper that he went to college right after high school and that Katina is still pursuing her degree now. So the reality is, can she finish her degree, complete nursing school while being married and starting a family? Because having a baby on top of that also would be a lot. And as usual, Katina is dead silent. Mm hmm. I, I will say, because I, when I was in college, my friend was going through nursing school and she was you know, dating my roommate. And, um, and it's, it's rough. It is, it is all day. It is labs and it pro- it is going to be really rough if that's what she chooses. But I also think that she seems like a really hardworking, I don't know her obviously, but she seems like a hardworking person and someone who knows what she wants and is going to do it no matter what. So I don't see what the problem <laughs> problem is, but um, I agree. It will be rough, but to him, for him to say like, this is a, a deal breaker kind yeah. of right. Or is that what he's insinuating? Like because the timelines don't match up that it's a deal breaker where she has even said in two years, let's evaluate the situation. Uh, yeah. I've, we'll talk about it in the end. Cause okay. 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 Sorry. So yeah. She's uh, just kind of looking at him while he's saying all this stuff. Olajuwon says that he doesn't see Katina being, he doesn't want to see Katina being overwhelmed. And we all know that's code for him not being the like top priority. 
for her. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to have too much on your plate because then you can't do what I need for you to do for me. Yeah, Because you're too busy doing what you need to do. You'll have too much on your plate so you can't put a plate in front of me. Exactly. We know this because the next thing that he says is that he wants to be happy and answered at the same time. So that's why he's concerned about Katina. (laughs) Dr. Pepper then asks Katina what she wants for herself and she agrees that she doesn't want to be overwhelmed. She says that all men require attention, but she thinks Olajuwon requires an even higher level of attention than most. No. Right? She says it's already a lot to deal with, and personally, it's draining. (laughs) As you can see, my before and after pictures. Right. (laughs) And then we see Olajuwon in an ITM. We can see that he's been crying. He says that he knows school is really important to Katina, and... Although he hasn't said this to her, if he was in her position, he would lock in on school and focus on himself for those two years and get it done. But he also says he has no intentions of going anywhere. And again, he's not going to tell her that, of course. But if the shoe were on the other foot, that's what he would do. Say no, go to school, grind it out. The producer asked him if he thinks that she should say no on decision day to better herself. And he says, yes, if you really care about somebody, you always want to look out for what's best for them. And in this situation, he feels like her securing her education is more important than being married and having a baby. And that's when I was like, okay, is this real or is this an out? I'm not sure. Yeah, because he can easily say on decision day, I'm saying no for you. Yeah. Because I want you to reach all your hopes and dreams. Blah, 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 blah. What I want to know is, like, he had obviously been crying for a while because his face was all red. So what happened before that? Because I feel like something was said, maybe in their little expert visit. Yeah. Because you don't go from normal kind of talking it out conversation to I'm crying in an ITM midway through we will never know (laughs) we won't but yeah and then like this whole is he trying to pull like a zach and michaela like we're not gonna stay married but let's still date each other like after oh Mm -mm. that ain't gonna work for katina Uh, i don't know she always kind of goes along with everything so and then we see the whole reason well in the next time on Hmm. the whole reason he's pushing this is because this is what happened in his last relationship and it didn't work out. Yeah, I did see that clip. And I also saw the clip of Katina crying yet again. Oh, Lord, when they showed her and she was her stroking that wig head. again. I know, trying to give herself comfort. Poor thing. I was like, no. Oh. What did he do now? Right? Oh, yeah. When she, oh, yeah. That's a trigger. Don't be bad that wig, girl. That means you hurt for real on the inside. I know. Man, her her guys before this must have been god awful. I'm telling you. If this guy is like what she really wants, I mean, Katina. You could do so much better. Mm-hmm. You deserve so much better. Yes. This is not it. Please say no. <laughs> please, please, please say no. But we know what we know. Mm-hmm. Or what we think we know. What we think we know. All right. Let's move on. Final couple. Let's end on a sweet note. Jasmine and Michael. They're so cute. 
Magu. Magu. So cute. <laughs> so we start with them driving back from couples retreat. They're kind of going over what the medium was saying. Mike for sure thought that his mom or grandma was going to come out and speak with him. He did not expect his brother whatsoever. Just mean to ask him about the two people because the medium had mentioned that two people uh, were associated with this incident. And he's like, yeah, there was two friends of his brother's um, in the car when the brother was shot. And so that's where the two comes from. And his brother ended up, I thought, I thought the brother got shot in a, at the restaurant where he was working, but it was actually a road rage incident. So that's what, how that happened. He said that when he heard the medium say that he was really shocked in an ITM, Jasmina notices that he has changed a lot and he is trusting her more and they are able to be more vulnerable with each other and, and the talk is really easy. He then asked if anything surprised Jasmina and she said, yeah, twins in a year and a half. That means we had a slip up. <laughs> they both kind you of have laugh. to be doing something to slip up. Yup. <laughs> so that was the end of that. Next we see them going to Jasmina's childhood home. She says this was the last place that her mom and dad lived together under one roof. Her mom didn't want to stay in a house that was originally her dad's after the divorce. So that's why they ended up moving. She said she got many uh, ass whoopings in that house. And at ITM, she says that showing Mike where she grew up is important because it shows him why she is the way she is. He needs to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. After that, so they go to her elementary school and uh, she tells Mike that this was her school and that her school was her safe space. Her, it was her outlet. Her dad was a trucker, so he was always on the road. And sometimes he even picked her up in front of the school with a big-ass truck, embarrassing her. She said she really loved her teacher, Mrs. Potaski. She used to make her forget what was happening at home and gave her a lot of love, not really knowing that that was what she was missing and exactly what she needed. Uh, I saw on Reddit people are really trying to figure out where Mrs. Potaski is. <laughs> I was like, yes, show her this. It would make her day. Oh, my gosh. Mike asked her if she never met Mrs. Potaski, would she even be a teacher today? And she says, probably not. And then he asked, well, does Mrs. Potaski know that? And she said, no, nope, probably not. In the ITM, Mike says that it's tough to hear what Jasmina has gone through because he cares for her. But when it comes to childhood, tra childhood and trauma, he wants to know those things because those are the things that really help him understand her as a person. At this time, she reads her letter to Mike. Uh, she says that her mom left her, her biological mom left her. Her dad left. She got bullied a lot and she starts to tear up like almost immediately. She also says her first stepmom never hugged her, never loved her. School was her safe space and Mrs. Potaski made all the pain and loneliness disappear and it changed her life for the better. And then Mike starts tearing up, of course. She says, 24 years later, she will become a teacher because she loves children. She wants to make a difference, guide them and teach them, create a safe space for them just like it was for her. She tells her younger self that she made it out to keep living the life you are now. And she promises that she will be proud of the woman you are later. And then they hug. And so, so sweet. In an ITM, Mike says that he appreciates her being super open and vulnerable. 
He's never heard all the details that she's went through, and it just shows him all the progress they've made together. He loves seeing what made Jasmina who she is today. He tells her that hearing that letter makes him see her more and makes him appreciate how strong she is now, and it makes him proud of her. And she's like, oh, you're proud of me. They're just so cute. cute. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, then it's Mike's turn. He takes her to the last house he lived with with his mom. He help, tells us that he hasn't been there in over a decade. So he's a little anxious. He's not sure how he'll feel when he gets there. And they pull up and Mike says that this is the house that his mom tried to give him his last spanking. And she hurt herself in the process. <laughs> And they both laugh because they figured, you know, he's finally outgrown the Spankins. Mike says that he thought he would be sad um, pulling up to the house, but he just remembers being happy here. And there's a lot of love in the house. And Jasmina says, says that's, that it's really nice that they can pull up and it can make him smile. In an ITM, he s- says that um, from ages 14 to 16, they were at that house and they were happy and joyous moments. His past and his upbringing has made him a lone wolf of sorts. It means a lot for him to bring Jasmina. It's uncomfortable talking about his past, but he knows it's for the better. And he's not running away from it. He's running towards it. Then they go to a park. He says he feels like doing a lap for old time's sake. And Jasmina's like, okay, go for it. I'll sit right here and watch. And he looks at her like, really? (laughs) He should know by now she ain't going to do any exercises with him. Did you see her outfit? Uh, No. (laughs) She tells him that him and his brother used to go every day in the summer at 7 a.m. She asked him if um, the mom ever came and he said no, but he wished that she had. And she talked about it sometimes. I am Mike's mom. I'm always like, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and go exercise and and no, it just, it never happens. So I feel you there. Um, then he reads his letter. Life is not full of laughter all the time. And that's okay. Don't be afraid of voicing your emotions. It does not make you weak. Showing your emotions does not make you any less strong. There's beauty and resilience. Let people in and see that part of you. Hold your mom a little tighter. Appreciate her a little more. When she asks you to go to church, go. Spend more time with her. She'll beat cancer the first time. You'll both dance and jump up and down. When it comes back a second time, it's here to stay. Cherish these last few moments. You'll regret it if you don't. He knows it sounds like a lot of hardship, but there isn't. You'll be okay. And you'll be better than okay. You'll thrive. Jasmina says that that was beautiful. The growth from where they first met till now is beautiful. And Mike agrees. He's like, yeah, in Puerto Rico, he dismissed her saying that they were never going to talk about certain things. And at ITM, he says the level of vulnerability he has built with Jasmina, he can put everything on the table and he knows she won't judge him. He hopes that this will help them build romance uh, later down the line in their relationship. He said that in the letter he mentioned being more present, cherishing moments. He says that they have to do that too, him and Jasmina. They've made a lot of progress, but they need to figure out a lot of things before decision day. And that's where that segment ends. And then we get the visit from Dr. Pepper. In ITM, Jasmina says she's excited to meet with Dr. Pepper. They're in a really good space. 
they uh, she's excited to share uh, with an expert how far they've come. They haven't had a conflict in a long time, and she's really proud of that. And then we see Jasmina prepping some flowers in the vase. And when Dr. Pepper comes in, she compliments the flowers, and she's like, yeah, I got them for Mike. But Mike says that you don't give men flowers. <laughs> I've given a man flowers. Yeah, I've given my husband flowers before. Be progressive, Mike. I know. Accept your flowers while you're getting <laughs> Just- them. They know, right? Be happy. Someone's sending you flowers. So Dr. Pepper says they look like they're doing well. And she wants to know what the turning point was. And Jasmina says that it was the exercise that Dr. Viviana had given them. They haven't had any conflict since then. And when they do feel a certain type of way, they talk it out. Uh, she points out that Jasmina seems softer, open, more emotional. And she asks, what have you learned about your husband? Jasmina says that in the beginning, she had to pull teeth to get to know him, and now it just comes natural. Once he began to be vulnerable and open, she got soft. And Mike says, yeah, you did. (laughs) She then asks the couple what they have to unlearn. Mike says that when he goes through something, he handles it on his own. When he was growing up, that's just kind of what he was taught. He didn't want to be a burden on anybody. So he's had to unlearn that because she will never get to know him if he doesn't open up and let her know how he feels. And Jasmina kind of says, ditto. And Mike's like, yeah, you can't steal my my answer. No, thanks. But she says that she was also taught just to be independent, never depend on a man. If you have to do something, do it on your own. Dr. Pepper then asks what kind of things do need to answer not only before decision decision day, but after that as well. Mike says, kids, uh, you know, in two years, two to three years, how many? And she says a year and a half, she wants to have lots of kids. So she has to start pushing them out. And they both agree to start trying in a year and a half, 18 months. And Dr. Pepper is like, yeah, how are you trying now, though? Because <laughs> uh, you're not. And they said they walked right into that one. They start laughing. They are not touching in any way or kissing. She says that she sees, uh, Dr. Pepper says that she sees a lot of intimacy there with how they look at each other and how their body language is. And Jasmine is like, yeah, this is the happiest that she's ever been, but she's just not there yet. She says she doesn't have the urge to kiss him. In an ITM, Mike says that it's hard to hear that because there's nothing he can do to force romance. All he can do is do what she has asked him to be as a husband, and the rest is up to her. Dr. Pepper advises them to start holding hands, cuddling. They're planning families, but there's sex involved to have, make a baby, so they need to figure something out. And there Mike is? says that the, what? Mike says that the connection is amazing. He wants his wife to be his best friend, but not just his best friend. And that's where their storyline ends for this episode. Do you think they can get over this in the nine stork. days? The stork is going to bring their baby. They're <laughs> twins. I don't know. Yeah. If, uh, I don't know if they're not kissing nine days out. I don't, I don't know if they're going to make it, but I really, really want them to make it. At least try after decision day. Maybe yeah. they just give it more time. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and even like we were saying, or we see in the um, next time they're having that conversation. Like we're 
you're my wife, not my friend. Like, yeah, we need to get over that hurdle. Yeah. (laughs) Next time she's putting her boobies on him while he's cooking, he needs just lay one on her. See what happens. Maybe that's it. Like, I know he's just make a move. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to be respectful and all that. But that doesn't work with everybody. Yeah. Well, I hope they make it. I really like them. But that's the show. That's the show. Okay. (laughs) Thanks so much for catching up with us as we cover Married at First Sight Season 14 in Boston. Make sure to continue the conversation on social media. We are on Instagram at Cheese McQueen's podcast and on Twitter at Cheese McQueen's. Igby Life tweets every Wednesday, so make sure to catch her there because it's always a party. If you have any cheese men, make sure to DM us um, on our social media. Anything else, Igby? Nope. That's all I got. <laughs> we'll see what happens next week. All right, y'all. Bye. See ya. Thank you.